TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, welcome everybody to the Score North Twin Show. Uh, I'm Jake DePew, joined by a very special guest once again, Russell Dorsey. Uh, Russell was on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, Russell, how's it going today? Man, I'm, one, appreciate you for having me. Two, I'm doing really well. Um, I am excited to have things to talk about. Am I excited about <laughs> necessarily how we got to those things? Not really, but, you know, something's better than nothing. Yeah, so uh, I, I think most baseball fans, depending on, you know, your level of commitment, if you're a casual fan, maybe you haven't been paying that much attention, which, honestly, I'm jealous of casual fans not paying attention because this has been a disaster for the sport, in my opinion, the last couple of months. But baseball has reached some sort of an agreement. I mean, not even really, an, I can't even really call it an agreement, but uh, the, the commissioners imposed or will impose a 60-game season, it looks like, pending uh, health and safety protocols being agreed to. Um, so I guess my first question to you uh, is just, what do you think, how much damage has this done to baseball, just this whole process over the last couple of months? I think baseball as a collective had a big opportunity with the pandemic and everything that was going on in our country to stand alone, have the market share of viewers and eyes and really have something special this year in what what would be a a non-traditional season anyway. And they fumbled and they didn't, instead of making it, all right, what health and safety protocols do we need? Okay. We agreed to that. Let's play. It was more so than the safe health and safety protocols. It was how are we going to split this money up? And, you know, I know I don't want that. I want my full prorated, you know, salary, which I un- completely understand. Like I wouldn't want to take less than my fair value uh, for my employer. You wouldn't want to do the same. So I understand that part from the player side, but I think at the end of the day, there could have been an agreement a month and a half ago. You know, we look at what's been agreed to in principle right now with the deal that was done yesterday. It's the same deal that got done in March, you know, except it's 60 games instead of the 90 or originally players won 114. But like they could have gotten 80, 90 games in by now. And then you could even had a little leeway if there was an outbreak you know, later on in the season where you could say, all right, seven days, we're going to take off and then bounce back. Now you're, you're in a situation where you have to play 60 games in 70 days. So I think baseball did a lot of damage to itself. I think there's a lot of atrophy and a lot of fatigue from the fan base. I think people who cover baseball are tired. I think people, um, it's a lot to ask of your fan base to sit back and type of back and forth excitement when you do return and then when you return you return just a product that's not you know we don't know if it's going to be a quality product you know what i'm saying like we don't know i expect to see i don't expect to see good baseball i expect to see seven eight nine eras i expect to see guys hitting below 200 like i don't know what this season is going to hold but i don't really expect it to be good it's going to be one of those seasons where i'm like oh yeah that was a thing and then try to move on to the next season um, so yeah, I think baseball's definitely done some damage to itself that's gonna have to be repaired over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, I think there's been a lot of damage done. I do wonder 
like how much of this is a Twitter war, you know, where like the, the small percentage of baseball fans that are on Twitter and following every day, you know, are really invested and your average kind of casual fan is just like, whatever, I have more important problems than to worry about millionaires and billionaires. Um, I, I definitely agree. There's no question they've done damage. To, to me, the biggest, and you alluded to this, but the, the, the most damaging thing they did was blow an opportunity to be the only American sport back for an entire month. You know, I mean, they could be playing baseball right now or, or getting ready for opening day in, in a week or two. And for a country that's starved for normalcy and starved for sports, they would have provided that, you know, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, after 9-11, how baseball was really healing for the country. And all. they could have provided that and they completely blew it, you know, by, by arguing over money. And, and I don't like the both sides this because I, I do think one side is is at fault. And I think that's the owners. I mean, I think there are certain things that the player side and the union could have handled better, but um, overall, I certainly um, see their point of view much more than, than the other side, but it's just to blow that chance, you know, baseball's never going to have that again. That was a once in a lifetime opportunity and, and, and they just totally botched it. So um, moving forward, and I want to talk about what this season will look like if it even gets off the ground, but moving Mm -hmm. forward, do you think, there's going to be another 18 months of, of this sort of, you know, just contentious uh, and a contentious environment and, and just, you know, putting out all these statements, you know, attacking the other side. Is this going to go on until there's a new CBA sometime in 2022? I feel while they, there is baseball played, I think we've come to an end of the statement war, which I think is great because yeah. I think we were all tired of that. Um, and if, if there's baseball played, I think that goes away for the time being. However, I do think there's a point in time where that that's going to return and that's in a year and a half when the CBA's up, you know, and I think baseball has already laid the, the groundwork as a collective for some tension in, at the end of 2021 when the new CBA's up and you have a lot of the game's biggest stars that are approaching free agency and after this season and whatever revenue is generated next season, if those guys can't make what their true value is, you're going to have some issues. Like you got guys got like Francisco Lindor approaching free agency and Javier Baez and Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts at the end of whatever this season is, yeah. is going to be created. And so like there's, it's, we're in a point now where some things are going to start shaking if you don't get some of these things resolved uh, before the CBA or even when the CBA is up. So, um, to me, as far as this season is concerned, I don't know if we see the full 60 games. Like, thinking logically, one of the things I thought about yesterday was after – so it's 60 games, perfect world. We're in the middle of the summer. Like, there are going to be rainouts still. You know yep. what I'm saying? And you're going to have teams that might only play 51 games instead of 60 games. Like, you're going to have play teams that – you know, there's no common off days really with 60 games in 66 or 70 days. So you're going to have to – games are going to have to get banged, and then you're not going to be able to reschedule those. So what are the tiebreaker um, protocols? Like what are you going to do in those situations where you have a team that only played 51 games but has a better record than the team that played, you know, 55 or 60 games? So those are some things that are going to happen um, that they're going to have to resolve. The other part of it is – with we've seen spikes and surges all over the country. Do we even get to a point where 60 games is 
even in the realm of possibilities, let alone a postseason. You know, I as a you know, you're in the clubhouse just like I am. Do would you feel comfortable, you know, being in a ballpark right now in another state? I I've been asking myself that question for the last couple of weeks. Like, do I feel comfortable going to a Texas or a, a Florida or wherever and covering baseball in a state that's seen surges and spikes in COVID cases? I don't know. You know, and I'm a healthy, in shape, 25 year old. So I, I don't. I just there's so much stuff that's still at play that's beyond the economics of baseball that might put a stop to the season. Yeah, and if I mean, you look at the the Phillies situation, right? They've already had a number of players test positive, and it just feels like. I mean, baseball. It seems like they're we're fooling ourselves. We're kidding ourselves if we think that that's not going to happen during the season. And once that happens, once I mean, if one player tests positive, that's one thing. But if a group of players test positive on a team and they can't field a roster for two weeks or whatever, how do you even continue the season? I mean, do they just forfeit those games? Like, does everybody who does every team who's played against them recently have to you know isolate for two weeks? Like. It, it seems to me, and believe me, I want baseball back so badly. <laughs> like, I miss it desperately, just like I know you do. I want this to work. But just thinking logically, it seems impossible to me that, like, I'd be surprised if we even get out of spring training before a team has an outbreak. Right. I, I mean, and, and I know that they're going to have increased testing, you know, compared to, to maybe what was going on at the Phillies com- you know, complex or, or the Blue Jays or – um, whatever, but still, I mean, you know, they're not in a bubble like the NBA is going to be. And how do you regulate? Is every player going to go straight back to their hotel room and never go out to a bar or a restaurant? Is there going to be like security that like physically stops them from doing that? Like, how is that all going to work? It seems like they've been haggling so much over money that they've ignored, you know, the elephant in the room, which is how are we going to get through any amount of time without an entire team? you know, having an outbreak. So I, do you, I don't know, maybe you disagree, but I mean, do you see this actually happening that, you I, know, this, the league actually completing the season? Dude, I don't see it. I, and I'm, and I'm usually an optimistic dude, but I just don't see this working they're, because there, and then there's just so many different things that like you just talked about and summed up perfectly that could happen. Like they're not going to be in a bubble like the NBA. So guys are going to have to be on their own and, make sure that they're around people who, one, either they know don't have COVID, two, have been tested, three, are not asymptomatic, because I think that's going to be a big thing. You're going to have a lot of people, because you have athletes who are in great shape, who are probably going to be asymptomatic. And if you're not getting tested, players are obviously going to get tested, but for others, aren't going to get tested. How do you ensure that those people don't spread the virus to players or two front office staff, or two medical and training staffs, or or two groundskeepers, the guys who are going to keep the fields in shape, and then those families. Like, you got to ensure your spouse and your kids don't have it, and you have families and parents and all those other things. So there's so many different people involved in baseball. I just, I don't think people really understand that it was never going to be this money that stopped baseball from happening this year, you know? Like, I want baseball to happen. I want us to have the spring training 2.0 and to start some type of games for whoever's enjoyment. It might not be me, but maybe some fan in the middle of, you know, Texas enjoys this season. Um, but I just, 
don't know, especially we were having a difficult time having people wear masks to the store. Yeah. You know, let alone having 30 players in a clubhouse together with coaches and front office officials and medical and training staffs all coming together in one centralized location, as well as, you know, media, because you're not going to do all this to have games not be covered. Like that wouldn't make sense. So there's, there's so much stuff in play that I I don't even think we've even seen how it's affected the game yet. Do you think the NBA bubble uh, scenario will work? Like, do you think they'll be able to pull that off because of how isolated the, the players will be? And if so, is that what baseball needs to do? I'd like to say yes, but we've even seen before guys have even gotten down to Orlando. Yeah. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted this morning that a, a team in the in the Western Conference had five players test positive for COVID this week. And, you know, it's not – we don't – we know the science yet, like, just because you test positive once, then you, you're, you're cleared of it a couple weeks later. That doesn't mean you can't get it again, yeah. you know? So for guys like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, like those guys are still vulnerable to to the virus. Um, I do think being in a bubble and being super restrictive, like it sounds like the NBA is going to be down there at Disney, is helpful. And I do think that's the only way you can really keep an eye and keep a watch on you know players and who they're exposed to, because um, they're they're not even going to have. No coaches and staff in the same hotels with the players. I think it's players are in one, and then those uh, coaches and staff are are somewhere else. So I think that's the best of of all the the sports. I think that's the best plan. I just I don't think that worked for the other sports because those other sports, oh maybe hockey, but the other sports, NFL and MLB, haven't started their season. So trying to play a full slate of games in a bubble, that's that's not going to work. The NFL, they're just going to go forward. It doesn't matter how many people test positive. Like, you could have half a team that's, like, you know, in a hospital, and I feel like they're still going to just find a way to put a roster. They're going to be like, eh, we'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, I want to talk to you about one other issue that, that – as, as these negotiations have been going on that I've been thinking about. And that is, I looked at the, the eight-player executive subcommittee, right, mm-hmm. that MLB has that, that votes on this, and then they have the 30-team reps that vote as well. Of the eight uh, players on that subcommittee, seven were American. Um, there was only one international player, Elvis Andrews. Uh, and, and really all of them – had had made a lot of money with I think Corey Guerin was on it. He's he's been a bit of a journeyman, but really for the most part, you have American players that have already made millions. And I think for the most part, and I I, I don't know the exact breakdown, but I would guess the majority of team reps, the vast majority, are white Americans, right? And and they might not have the motivation to play in the same way that a Dominican or a Cuban player would, um, who's really in difficult financial financial situation and has to send money back to their family. And, and, you know, I just wonder if that impacted how long this process took and ML and on the, on the union side, you know, that them not accepting uh, some of these offers. And I'm not saying they were good offers and, and I don't think they necessarily should have accepted, but I do wonder if 
you know, Dominican and Cuban players and, and players who haven't made a lot of money had kind of their fair say or whether there was kind of a silent minority or silent majority or whatever you want to call it of players who really did want to pay because their, their financial situation is not what, you know, the eight player subcommittee players situation is um, or the 30 team reps. I, I don't know if you have any opinions on that, but, but do you feel like maybe not all voices were heard equally in, in the union in this process? I, I feel, I think that's an interesting perspective and interesting question. I do think, um, and I don't have a, a lot of knowledge of the, the subcommittee. And so, but I, I will say I know different reps from around the league and I know those guys always have their, their, the player's interest in mind, you know, yeah. talking to guys about negotiations and CV, like those dudes are really passionate about making sure that players 10 years from now are in the best shape possible. Yeah. So I want to, I want to give them credit there um, to your point about, do you feel everybody has their say? I do think that's where player reps are super important, yeah. right? Because those guys are in contact with everybody on on the big league roster and can say, hey man, what do you think about this? How do you how how do we want to vote? And have these discussions so that their voice is heard, um, along with the the subcommittee. So I think for the most part, yes. But I do think as we've seen over this last month and a half, two months, you can always have a more diverse group of voices in the room. I don't think that's ever uh, a bad thing to have a different voice in the room and different perspective because somebody who wasn't from here uh, has a different perspective about maybe uh, uh, money than, than you would here. And so I do think that's, I think that's vital and that's important. And I do, I would hope that on that committee, like they're thinking about things like that. Yeah. And, and, I have no information and I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're doing a good job of, of reaching out to everybody. I just, you know, baseball is such an international sport and, and the, the impact of, you know, Dominicans and Cubans and Venezuelans is, is so critical to the success of the game. And, um, you know, I just, I, I hope that they're represented in, in the way that they, that they should be, but, you know, I don't have any information that they're not. I just know what the makeup of that subcommittee looks like. And, right. um, yeah, and, and again, not just not just diversity in that sense, but but financial, you know, economic diversity. That you know, if you're a, a quad A guy who's made a couple hundred thousand, like there was a great article in five thirty eight a couple weeks ago that like your average MLB player is not a millionaire. You know, right. like, like if you're up and down for a couple years and and you've made you know maybe a few hundred thousand and half of that gets taxed, like and and this you know you have a very limited amount of time to make money that you need for the rest of your life, so. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. I, I, I do wonder, and we would never hear this from players because they're obviously united as they should be, but I, I do wonder, um, especially because that vote wasn't unanimous, right? It was like 33-5. Um, yeah. I do wonder if there are more players out there who maybe uh, wanted to play and, or wanted to start earlier than, than we heard about, but I don't know. Um, all right, so let's, let's assume that, that somehow the season does get started. We make it through spring training. Uh, you know, there are few, if any, outbreaks, and, and we we begin the season. What do you think baseball is actually going to look like in terms of the on-field product? Is it going to look anywhere near, you know, what we saw last, last season or in a typical regular season? I'd say no. I do think there's going to be a lot of use of the opener. I know a lot of teams from talking to different managers about it over the last two seasons, 
that they weren't in love with the idea, but you're going to have to do that. Like that's going to happen. You're not going to be able to throw a guy out there for seven innings on that first three, maybe even four starts. So you're going to have to have a guy that maybe opens and then a bolt guy that takes it the rest of the way. So I, I think there's going to be a ton of that this year. I think you're going to see a lot of younger prospects on taxi squads. I think guys like, you know, you, you know, the twins have a, a, a huge crop. I think you can see like a guy like Royce Lewis, maybe get a look. Um, I think you can see a guy like uh, Andrew Vaughn on the White Sox, get a look. Uh, there's going to be a ton of prospects that, that, that are on taxi squads and might even make their debut this year. The interesting part is I don't know how the, all the service time works with yeah. a season like this. Uh, I know players get their full service time for, and it's prorated 60 games would equal a full season, but how would it work for a prospect? So I think that's interesting. Um, as far as the, the quality of, on, of play on the field, man, I think this, the, the spring training will be vital and ensuring that guys just get back in the rhythm of, you know, making throws to a cutoff man and uh, hitting the bases. And I would hope, but I, I just think quality might suffer this year. I think we're so used to seeing just amazing, high-quality baseball every night that in a season that's so thrown off, in a society that's so thrown off by a pandemic, something that we've never really seen on this magnitude in the last 25, 30, 40 years. I think it'll, it'll be, it'll take some adjusting for, for players. And it's easy for them to say, well, I mean, I played baseball before. It's just getting back in the box, getting back on the mound. But I think having too long, like we haven't had baseball since middle of March and it's on July. So that's, that's nuts to have that type of, off season, then your real spring training, then another basically off season. Now you're getting back in baseball and trying to ramp up for a season. That's tough, man. That's tough for the best of athletes to be thrown off your your routine and your schedule like that. So I I'm I'm just hoping guys don't go out there and hurt themselves. I'm really concerned about that because it's with the unusual routine, the unusual, you know, up and down of of what a normal offseason will be and getting your body right. For some guys, it's going to be helpful because guys who we didn't expect we'd see until August or July, we're going to see now. And those guys are going to be on rosters, which makes it pretty interesting. Like Rich Hill wasn't expected to pitch coming out of spring training, but now that's, that's going to be a guy that's going to be on the roster. So it could work for some teams. So just don't want to see injuries. I just don't want to see uh, guys go out there and, and try to put their bodies on the on the line. Um, in in this type of just weird year. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame any player, who, especially if they were going to be a free agent who just decided I'm going to opt out of this year. I mean, if you're Mookie Betts, what do you have to gain by playing 60 games or however much? You know, right. I mean, you you risk getting COVID and potentially suffering you know long term consequences of that. You risk suffering a serious injury. You know, for what? You know, I mean, you're due to make well. Prior to the pandemic, he was going to get what for three, four hundred million. They were talking about for him. I, I mean, you know, for a guy like that, I, I, I wouldn't blame Mookie Betts if he wanted to sit this year out. I wouldn't blame anybody really, but especially somebody who's due for a big paycheck. 
Um, but I agree with you. I think we're going to see tons of, you know, little hamstring injuries and things like that in the first month. Um, so, yeah. I, I want to shift gears a little bit, though, and talk about everything that's going on in the country in terms of, of Black Lives Matter and all of the, the, the protests and all of the change that we've seen, because I think it's, it's a really important issue. And obviously it started in, in Minneapolis. Um, baseball is not a sport, I think, where you typically see athletes speak out as much as sports like the NBA, the WNBA has really been a leader uh, in that area, you know, the NFL. Uh, but we're starting to see more of that now in, in Major League Baseball. Um, African-American players are speaking out, but, but so, are, so are, you know, Pete Alonzo has been speaking out. There have been a lot of um, white players that have been, you know, really advocating for, for these causes as well. Um, has it been encouraging to you to sort of see that from a sport that traditionally – uh, you know, doesn't engage in a lot of um, a lot of dialogue about these types of of issues. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think one of the you talked about Pete Alonso, Lucas Giolito is a guy we have yeah. here in Chicago that's really bright, uh, well spoken, just has a, a really great view of of the world and and people, and he's been really outspoken on on Black Lives Matter and and the movement going on in the country right now, and. I think that's vital, man. It's vital because at the end of the day, and this goes beyond sports, for black people who we've wanted change for so long and we've given this message, we've said what's going on, and after a while, it it stops because people are just going to, well, what it, we might just be, you're probably just complaining or it's not that bad or whatever. It takes white people to say, yo, this is going on and we need to stop playing around. We need to use our privilege to help spread this message because it's important and we shouldn't treat people like this. And it's, it's huge, man. It's huge. And, and for a sport like baseball where, you know, it's been, you know, just on the field product is the most important thing. Like what you have off the field is what you have off the field. But, you know, make, when you come to the ballpark, just be ready to play it's good that we get guys who care about things off the field and who care about their teammates and what their teammates go through after they leave the ballpark. That's great, man. And that's, that's how you get real change. You need people to say, you know what, this status quo thing is not working and I care too much about this person to let them go through that alone. And I'm standing with them. You know, I care about what happens to him after he leaves the ballpark. I care about him and his family. I care about the way he's treated. And I want him to be treated the same way I would want to be treated. So that's huge, man. And it's, it's been really good to see. Um, and we just, we just need more of it. We need more of it. Like what Kenny Williams and Theo Epstein have done uh, to bring awareness to like Theo Epstein talking about his hiring practices. And I think Theo Epstein is one of the, like the, the people you want to represent the game of baseball. That's the guy. And he, even he said, like, I need to look at my hiring practices. And look at the people that I'm hiring. I'm hiring too many people that look like me and have the same ideals as me and the same ideologies as me. And for a guy like that, who is a great representative of baseball, to still realize that he still messes up and he still has to make corrections, that's huge, man. That's huge. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I do think people, the eyes are being opened. But at the same time, we, you can't let it stop. Like, it can't stop now almost a month after George Floyd. Like we can't let it stop a couple months after Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. So like we have to continue this and have to keep this going. 
because that's how you get better. You know, as a society, that's how for you're about to have a kid. That's how you ensure that your children and my children are able to have a life that we would want them to have. And we, they don't have to worry about this in 30 years. So now, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that, that we see change, but so many times in the history of our country, we, we've thought change was coming and it hasn't come and we're still in 2020 talking about it. So it's going to take, it's going to take real, you know, real passion where it's going to have to take people really getting their hands dirty and getting involved and not letting it pass, not letting the moment pass. Yeah. And, and being uncomfortable, you know, having uncomfortable conversations and and bringing up topics that, that people might not want to talk about, but it's too important not to. And, and I hope that we see some on field, you know, not that taking a knee is, is everything, you know, that's, that's people can do it in different ways, but you know, I, I remember, I think it was two years ago, Bruce Maxwell, mm-hmm. O'Malley's, uh, kind of journeyman backup catcher took a knee and, and he was the only one in baseball that, that did it, you know, the only guy. And, and I think he was, I don't know if he was ostracized for it. Um, I know that there was a big team meeting where he tried to explain sort of what he was doing, but, I really wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of that this season in baseball. And I think, I do think, you know, that stuff matters a lot. It brings attention to it. It gets people talking. And um, so I hope it's not just a social media thing. I mean, it's important to speak out on social media, but that's not everything. You know, I really hope we see if it's not taking any, you know, some sort of acknowledgement of everything that's going on from, from, uh, you know, not, not just African-American players, you know, from, from white players and international players. And um, it's been great to see, but like you said, we've, we've been in a lot of moments like this and, and not a lot has changed. Th- to me, this feels different than anything that's gone on in this country in my lifetime. Um, I don't know how, if you would agree with that, but um, yeah, I just, I hope, I hope that if we do play games in baseball, that they continue to, to move forward with, with, all of these actions and, and, you know, all of these, what, what everybody's been saying on, on, on Twitter and on these platforms. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's end with, cause I know you uh, have to run. So let's just end with um, your thoughts on a 60 game season. So if there's a 60 game season, if we play it all the way through uh, and there's playoffs, whether it's expanded playoffs or not, is that a real champion in your mind or do you think we're going to see like you know the Detroit Tigers you know hoisting the the World Series trophy in in three months I would say no because it's never gonna feel like a true I think baseball is the one sport that plays true over 162 games where you know the good teams are going to be good the bad teams are going to be bad and then you'll have a couple surprises in the middle but for the most part it plays out kind of like you expect it to um this year it's a crapshoot, man. It really is. Cause like there's, there's, you can make an argument that veteran teams are better equipped for this type of season because they don't have to worry about a long season. They can play, you know, 60 games, max effort and, and go out there and win. But you could also make the case that a younger team can just go full speed ahead and not worry about the consequences of it because it's only 60 games. But it's just, no, I I would have a hard time saying that the person who won the World Series this year, quote unquote, was the world is like a World Series champion. The one thing I will say is you now everybody's playing on the same set of rules. So under these set of rules, 
that team was the World Series champion. So I do think there's some respect that you have to give to that. But in comparison, comparing this season with other seasons, I don't think you'll be able to do that. Yeah, and when you look at even bad teams, you know, almost every team has a good 40, 50-game stretch somewhere in there. I remember the 2011 Twins, they lost 99 games. They were the best team in baseball for like a 50-game stretch. You know, so it's like baseball is not a sport, as you said, that's designed to be played in, in a limited number of games. That's why 162 is so important. So, um, you know, it is what it is. If we get any baseball, it'll be great. But, yeah, I think I think there has to be some sort of asterisk, asterisk or, or however you want to, you know, uh, classify it um, for, for whatever team wins. But it will be kind of fun if, like, the Marlins or, or you know, some team like that, you know, makes a run, you know. Um, we'll definitely see a surprise in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great, man. I, thanks again, Russell, for, for joining. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're awesome to have on and um, stay safe, stay healthy, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully there'll be some baseball to watch soon. So. My man, Jake. Appreciate having me on. All right. Thank you.